Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. If you love Atlanta, you can invest in the big picture. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. I'm Erlon Woods. I'm Nigel Poor. We're the hosts and creators of Ear Hustle from PRX's Radiotopia. Ear Hustle is a show about life inside prison, but it's not your typical prison podcast. In this next season, we've got stories about the objects people keep inside their prison cells. About residents in a women's prison who say they want to stay there. And the most beautiful prison garden. Erlon, I will never forget it. Ear Hustle. Stories about life on the inside, told by those who live it. Find Ear Hustle wherever you get your podcasts. From WABE in Atlanta, welcome to this Monday edition of Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. Coming up on today's program, East Cobb, Buckhead City, Lost Mountain, and now... The city of DeKalb. What's behind a group of southern DeKalb County residents seeking to develop a new city? Also, what the last year has been like for a very popular St. Nick. Santa D shares his COVID-19 story and why he's scaling back appearances this season. Now, all those conversations are coming up, but we'll begin with this. As you just heard on NPR, he's in. David Perdue made the worst-kept secret official this past Sunday. He will run for governor. In a video posted on social media, Purdue referred to Democratic gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams as having a radical vision for Georgia. Purdue also accused current Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger and Governor Brian Kemp for, quote, failing to protect our elections. He caved to Abrams. It cost us two Senate seats, the Senate majority, and gave Joe Biden free reign. Think about how different it would be today if Kemp had fought Abrams first instead of fighting Trump. Kemp caved before the election, and the country is paying the price today. It's time for a change. Governor Brian Kemp's campaign reacted to the expected Purdue challenge, saying his only reason for running is a, quote, bruised ego after losing his U.S. Senate seat. Former President Donald Trump has been urging Purdue to challenge Governor Kemp. Purdue's entry into the race signals a very bitter GOP primary and comes just days after Democrat Stacey Abrams again announced her candidacy for governor. In other news, the Georgia Department of Public Health is confirming the first case of COVID-19 caused by the Omicron variant. Here's U.S. Surgeon General Dr. Vivek Murthy speaking on Face the Nation. The important thing is as we work hard to gain answers to the three critical questions about Omicron, about its transmissibility, its severity, and its response to our vaccines and therapeutics, it's critical that people know we do have tools that we can use right now to protect ourselves against this variant and against the Delta variant, which is still the predominant variant in the United States. Back to the case here in Georgia, according to the Department of Public Health, the individual recently traveled from South Africa and developed mild symptoms as well as tested positive for COVID-19. Commissioner Dr. Kathleen Toomey cited, quote, vaccination is key to preventing further transmission of COVID-19 and helps prevent new variants like Omicron from emerging. The Milton City Council is expected to vote on approving a request to privatize one of its subdivisions, the Kingsley Estate subdivision. According to a spokesperson for the city, any neighborhood can ask if a certain percentage of its residents favor to be privatized. This would allow gating off the entrances to a community and the city would no longer be responsible for the maintenance of the roads or the right-of-ways. According to the local newspaper, the Milton Herald, residents claim drivers are speeding through the subdivision. And two years ago, the subdivision had a potential, quote, abduction incident in 2019. Not all residents are in favor of Milton privatizing subdivisions. Closer Look reached out to the city of Milton, but through a spokesperson, no one was available. And finally. And two guys that worked together for a long time, good friends, Except when they get together in this building, it's more fun for Nick than it is for Kirby. Congratulations to Alabama. Different SEC championship, same result. Alabama beat Georgia, but both could meet again for the national championship. After that game, UGA head coach Kirby Smart said his team was still focused despite the loss. These guys are so solid. we got such great leaders in there. I didn't have to say a lot in there because the leaders spoke up and talked about what they wanted and how they wanted the next uh, couple weeks to go. And I think when you've got that, you've built the right, the right kind of kids. 
Yes, get out your system because that was ugly. The dogs will face Michigan on New Year's Eve in the Orange Bowl. The winner of that game will play for the national championship in early January. And Kennesaw State season is over, playing East Tennessee State in the second round of the Division I football championship subdivision. They allowed them to score a touchdown with 35 seconds remaining to take the final lead before the clock expired. Everyone in my house was sad. But it was a great season, though, for the Owls. This is Closer Look. Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. You can go beyond giving to impact. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. And Closer Look continues now here on 90.1 WABE. This is Atlanta's Choice for NPR. As always, I'm Rose Scott. Last week on the program, we spoke to a representative regarding Cobb County residents behind the city of East Cobb movement. And, of course, we know about what's happening in Buckhead. Well, now we shift to another county, DeKalb, the DeKalb Cityhood Movement. And I'm joined now by Catherine Rice, the founder of Building Quality Communities and the coordinator of the City of DeKalb Executive Committee. That's a lot you got going on, Dr. Rice. Thanks for taking the time. My pleasure. It's a pleasure to be here. All right, let's let's start from the beginning. How long have you lived in DeKalb County? Oh, Lord. Um, 20 going on 30 years. So I've been here for a long time. Let me ask in you. DeKalb. In DeKalb. Well, let me ask you this. Through your personal lens, what services do you feel the county is doing pretty good, doing, doing all right by its citizens? Uh, I think there's been improvement in terms of um, maintenance. So before we used to have a lot of uh, complaints about our medians, and, and I think they're doing a better job on that now. That's it? Just maintenance? I think they still have, we tend to focus on the problems rather than- Well, that's why I wanted to start it with the good to see if you had a list, yeah. but you only got one item. <laughs> yeah, well, no, no. I think that they're doing sanitation decently. Uh, we used to have two days a week, mm -hmm. and now we only get one day a week. So it, the uh, number of times that we're serviced has gone down, but I think they're doing a decent job there. I want to, for a moment, focus about your background because you're the founder of Building Quality Communities. For our listeners who may not be familiar with that, uh, tell them about this, what BQC stands for, what it, what it does, yeah. actually. Uh, the name, hopefully... Uh, represents what we do. And that is, I've been in community development my whole life. Even before I was in community development, I was involved in community. Uh, but it focuses on community and economic development services. So for example, um, before BQC, I was uh, the deputy director for the Atlanta Empowerment Zone. And that was meant to bring economic development and community services to the city of Atlanta. And after that, I segued into providing consulting services for uh, a lot of large nonprofits and organizations in particularly Atlanta mm -hmm. uh, and also in DeKalb, but mostly in Atlanta. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think the total population in DeKalb County is just maybe right under 770,000. That's a lot of folks. It is, and you're about right. Through your lens, do you think when you have that, large of a population that it can be difficult from sometimes for the county overall to make sure there's equity in terms of the services it provides and make sure that all the cities and even when some of the un unincorporated areas, if you want to get into that, that they're meeting the, the demands, the basic needs of all the residents. So you hit upon it. A county is a representative of the state. So when the United States was formed, they had to divide into these smaller areas so that they could manage providing services, at least minimal services, to their citizens. <clears throat> With the county, it's not the size so much as it is the differences, the um, way that the North may be different from the South, 
And in the case of DeKalb, we now have a disparity between the North and the South, and it's been growing wider, not uh, less than. What's that disparity? Define that. Disparity is difference in in opportunity and what you actually have. Mm -hmm. So in DeKalb County, we have a disparity in terms most visibly in economic development. We've had people from Japan come to visit us to look at what's happening, why we're trying to form a city. And we drive them to southern DeKalb and to northern DeKalb. And the difference is just very stark. The largest building that we have right now still in DeKalb is our jail, whereas that doesn't even compare to the number of and size of buildings that they have, for example, in northern DeKalb. It shouldn't be that way. For someone listening who may not understand the the, the, the boundaries here, let's, let's through your lens, let's give them, because DeKalb is, is a large county. So when you say the northern, northern part and the <coughs> southern part, are you, you good? You all right? I am coming off of a cold, so okay. it won't be the last cough. Sorry no. about that. No, it's okay. Get some water, juice, whatever you need. That's most important. I got it right next to me. Thanks. All right. See, you get health care here on Closer Look. Um, what's that dividing line for folks who may not be familiar when you say north and south to cab? Give them that dividing line through your lens. I think the uh, best dividing line is Memorial Drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Memorial Drive intersects 78 on more of the eastern side on the western side, which is the side that's closest to Atlanta, it dips a little bit. The Mm -hmm. Memorial Drive used to be the major thoroughfare in DeKalb County. That's pretty much the dividing line. Do you feel the northern part of DeKalb County probably is more, for whatever reason, more appealing, more attractive, or just gets more attention for new development? And do you feel like the county commissioners could do a lot better job of saying, Hey, if you think about coming to DeKalb County, let's look at the entire region, not just the northern region. Is that an issue here, too? I don't personally, I don't have any problem with the development in the northern side. Uh, that is where businesses choose to go. Mm-hmm. I think one of the issues that I have is, for example, and this is a reason why we want to form a city, is that right now our governing body is the commissioners. We mm-hmm. have seven commissioners. Mm-hmm. Four of those seven commissioners, the majority of them, do not live in the sub in our unincorporated area. So that means we have a majority of people making decisions about our area. When, when it comes to economic development, there's competition a lot because everyone's trying to bring development to their area. Mm-hmm. So we have four, a majority of our commissioners making decisions that may be in some conflict with what they're trying to do for their area. How would you assess then being able to have, I guess, access to these to the commissioners and to everyone else and saying over the years, have you all been able to have some type of relationship with them? Do you feel that, that that's not working? And again, that's another reason for this push for cityhood? I used to work extensively as on a volunteer basis with the uh, county because I thought that was, you know, cityhood has occurred over time. So Mm -hmm. some years ago, they were the main body to go to. I think what it is, is that and this is another issue between a city and a county, because the county was created to be representative of the state. It has to be equal to everybody. You cannot treat one area different than the other. So when you have disparity that exists, number one, it's difficult for them to deal with. When you have a topic like economic development, they can't say, oh, Southern DeKalb now is not doing so well, so we need to put our attention on them. Mm -hmm. They can't do that. And so if we want to progress the way we'd like to, then we need to create or we'd like to create a different structure that deals with us and puts us uh, priority. How different is this city of DeKalb if it in indeed is movement than I think some years ago to the Greenhaven cityhood movement. Same boundaries? So what we did is that we, you know, COVID came and hit and Mm -hmm. kind of interrupted a lot of the uh, General Assembly activities, including these discussions around forming a city. (coughs) Excuse me. Mm -hmm. So what we did is it gave us an opportunity to take a look at what we'd been doing. And we stepped back and we uh, decided what is good to keep on and what is it that we can change. It's kind of like a corporation that decides they want to put out a new product. Mm -hmm. You start with Roadster, that's your e-car. But every time you go on, you're trying to do something better. That's what we did. That's what we're doing. 
Uh, so we kept, yes, the boundaries, we kept the size, we changed things like the name because people said that they didn't really relate to it. And we chose a name that we felt people could relate to. They weren't feeling ch- Greenhaven, but you came up with City of the Cab? Well, hey, you got to relate to City of the Cab, right? <laughs> Not feeling Greenhaven, but City of the Cab. There you go. I, but I want to be clear, too, with the boundaries. Again, if you could just lay those out for folks when we're talking about this proposal for the City of the Cab. Let's get these boundaries clear. And then how many residents are we talking here? So <clears throat> the boundaries are uh, Moreland Avenue on the western side. Mm-hmm down to the southern part of DeKalb County, so all the southern part. On our eastern side, we bump up against Stonecrest. And on the northern side, the dividing line is 78 on the east side until 78 hits 285, at which point it goes down to Memorial Drive until Mm -hmm. Memorial hits Moreland. How many residents do you think that is, Dr. Rice? So we evidently the uh, population uh, has declined somewhat. So mm-hmm. I'm going to put it you know, maybe around 250,000. That's, that's a nice chunk. That's a nice chunk of folk. It is. And let me tell you why it's a nice chunk. Uh, when we sat down and first looked at this, we put four options on the table. Option one, status quo, no change. Option two, small city. Option three, large city. Option four, annexation. We did 142 meetings in six months with the community. Option four, annexation was out. Nobody wanted that. And then we did, uh, we asked about status quo. Nobody, I mean, we did like, give us a percentage of people and over 90% of people were not happy with the status quo. So that left a small city and a large city. Mm -hmm. All of the small cities in Southern part of DeKalb have higher tax rates. So, and we're anti-taxes. And when we looked at the feasibility studies- You're anti-taxes. Anti-raising of taxes. Okay, yeah. I was say, because that's not going to happen. No, we don't have taxes. <laughs> ta- okay, just want to be clear. <laughs> yeah, but we don't want them to raise anymore. We already have some of the highest taxes in the region. So we don't, and that deters business and we're pro-economic development. But so. the taxes also, Dr. Rice, they also serve a purpose, as you know, as it relates to- uh, funding so many other services and, and much-needed services throughout the county. So someone listening will say, okay, no new taxes, but you understand that they do also, the, the taxes, you know, they're there for a reason as well. And if you carve yeah. yourself out, are you also uh, hindering some of those ser- services to the entire county? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Uh, you have to balance it out. So you don't want to have your taxes so high that you deter residents and businesses from coming to your area. And yet you also want to have taxes that will give you the quality of life that you're seeking. So we do not want to raise taxes. Um, and neither do we want to uh, let go of any services or amenities. And I think we can do both. If you're just joining us, I'm in conversation with Dr. Catherine Rice, the founder of Building Quality Communities and the coordinator of the City of DeKalb Executive Committee. And this is all about uh, potential proposing a new city in the City of DeKalb. Now, let's also walk through some some other optics here, too. One, do you have legislative support? Do you have some state lawmakers who are behind you all? And you remind me, I want to make clear what the issue is uh, before we keep moving forward. The issue is not whether or not we, uh, you should support the city. Mm-hmm. The issue on the table right now really is whether or not we should or should not get the vote. That's the real issue. And so what happens is every time that we approach that issue of the vote, people segue into the city. But it's the people that vote on the city, not the assembly. Mm-hmm. And if we keep going into the aspects of the city without first addressing the fact that we should... Um, that we should support being able to get the vote. Well, that's what's been happening for the past seven years. So you do want to leave it up to the people. That's what you're saying. You want to leave it up to the residents. That's what every city uh, formation issue is about. It's always up to the residents. That's not a choice. That's the process. But when you don't give them the opportunity to vote, that's an issue. Have you all had a feasibility study conducted, Dr. Rice? Yeah, that's one of the requirements. So Mm -hmm. we've met all the requirements that have been put down since the very beginning. Uh, We've been at it since we started in 2014. Our first bill was introduced in 2015. We did a feasibility study and the feasibility study 
results were that we would have 27 million in excess revenue. Mm -hmm. In excess revenue. That means that the feasibility study looks at all the revenue you're supposed to bring in, all of the expenses that you incur, and those expenses include salaries, operation, purchases of parks, and all that stuff. And then will you meet your expenses or exceed your expenses? In our case, we have $27 million left over. That is the exact, it's, you know, eerily uh, remarkable. It's the exact same amount of money that the city of East Cobb would have in surplus. It's just kind of weird. Y'all not using the same people, are you? They just, you know, cut and paste them. <laughs> we use the University of Georgia Carl Vinson Institute. Uh, so like- just cutting and pasting. Let me ask you, I do have uh, some questions from a listener who says, I have to say, as a resident of Stonecrest, created in 2017, folks need to make sure all of the pieces of a city are there before going at it. You understand this, what this individual is saying here? I do. And, and let me let me offer this. The process is, is that from the time you start, mm-hmm. you have two years from there to determine what final services you definitely want to take on. And I actually think that's very wise because uh, it gives you the opportunity to experience for your particular situation what may work and what may not work. We started with three services that we absolutely want to take on. Mm -hmm. Economic development means you need to control your zoning um, and planning. Parks and recreation is because we lack that cultural, you know, of, um, events and festivals mm-hmm. and you know, things that people want to do with their children. Um, so I think it's wise. And in terms of, I'm going to bring up this issue that's important to people, which is police. We spoke with two police, ex-police chiefs that worked on the South Side, and they recommended to us, don't jump into whether or not you take police do a study. And when you do the study, make sure that uh, police personnel are involved and make sure that they look at your at situations that are similar to your environment. So you're not dense like New York City. You are like a suburb. So study that. So you said economic development, which does include zoning and all of that. And then you mentioned parks and recreation. Was it a third one? Or are you considering economic development and zoning two separate issues here. And you and to clarify, you all do not want your own police and all that. You just you want to focus on these three areas. Development and zoning and parks and recreation. Am I missing one here? Yes, you are. Um code enforcement. Code enforcement. Code enforcement is something people feel very passionately about because people want to be able to invite their neighbors in and have pride mm-hmm. about where they live. That's all code enforcement. And so that's a critical, passionate. Are there blighted do. properties of that nature, or, or any other? Is there any other from us from that standpoint that you all have some concerns about that the county is not enforcing? I think one of the big issues is litter. So you want, particularly your commercial areas, because people have to come through those dense commercial areas. You want them to look good, um, but you also want it for your own neighborhood. So. I don't think that people are satisfied with the level of code enforcement that we're getting at this time. Let me ask you about single family zoning. How do you all feel about that? So one of the measures that's been introduced is, um, uh, I don't remember the name that they use for it, but where you have multiple families in one household, Mm -hmm. Uh, you've got companies that are coming in and doing that. And so I think that many people, the way at least that it's being done, people are not happy with it. So you don't want to come in and hurt a neighborhood by breaking down a house and having multiple people live in that house and um, Why? maybe not that property or maintaining that property. So is it maintaining the property or is it just because you have multiple families? Does it matter who's living in the house as long as they take care of it and the upkeep and all that? And that's part of the problem is because the upkeep changes when people uh, are not maintaining the property or don't own the property and therefore maintain it. And I think that's one of the issues that's true of blighted housing and housing just in general. People want to make sure that there's upkeep and maintenance in their neighborhoods. What about the schools here? How would this work for for you all? A municipality, local government uh, is totally separate 
and autonomous from education. However, the two are almost interdependent on one another. Yeah, so I was, was going to ask you would, in, to clarify that first part because someone would, listening says, nah, they, they, <laughs> I'll let you finish. So people think that when they pay a dollar in taxes that that dollar is going to the um, county local government. It doesn't. 75% of that dollar goes to the school system. And the school system has its own budget, their own jurisdiction, and they don't want people intruding upon it. However, businesses want to see that you have talent when it comes to an area. They want to see that the talent is educated and skilled enough to do their work. Uh, And residents, when they decide to move in an area, want to see good schools. So we just had a conversation a week and a half ago with two uh, past chairs of the DeKalb Board of Education to see how can we work together with the Board of Education to supplement or to support what you're doing. Two years ago, we had a situation where a small parcel of land was annexed by Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Only nine people uh, went into Atlanta public schools, but $2 million left DeKalb County. As long as DeKalb Board of Education does not protect its borders, then we're going to continue being subject to losing uh, students, property, monies, et cetera. We need to work together to ensure that we have not only um, protection for our Board of Education, but that we have a better educational experience. And we want to know what we can do as a city to work with the DeKalb Board of Education to make that happen. What schools would be in this new city of DeKalb? Any idea? Uh I've not counted the number of schools, mm-hmm. but nothing will really change school-wise. So right now, the law is that no new board of educations can be created. Whatever school your child was going to, your child will continue to go to that school. So y'all aren't, aren't y'all aren't opting to have a to separate yourselves from the, the school district, which would be very challenging anyway. But that's not something you all are opting for, correct? By law, we cannot. Mm-hmm. When you cons- nope. Well, considering this, Dr. Rice, and you, you are, you have, you understand of all people when we talk about communities, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, and I know that in DeKalb County with their regions, there may only be two, maybe three, I think two, where more than 75% of those students are on the free and reduced lunch plan, which might give an indication to where they are, those households are on the poverty line. So you understand that. So anytime when a a cityhood is talked about, people always have concerns about what impact will this have on the school district. You're saying that the the city of DeKalb would not have any adverse effect on the students in DeKalb County. You want to work with the school district to make sure that you can help. You can be you can be more of a solution than a problem. Just let me give you an example of how. Sure. Take your question. No, I don't think we'll have any adverse effect. Here's an example of how we could have a positive effect. And when you have a twenty seven million dollar um, excess revenue, we want to put that to uses that are going to cause our community to uh, kickstart into a new future. So, for example, Without interfering with the DeKalb Board of Education, we could have computer centers. We have, we've divided our area into six districts. What if each one of those districts had a computer center that kids could come to and maybe do extra exercises or you know do things that are educationally related? Sure. But do, you, robot- do you need a new city to help implement that though? And that's where it all comes in, you see? Uh, because we No, I don't. For- that's why I'm asking. <laughs> okay okay um yes actually that's that's the conclusion i have come to that's the conclusion that many of us have come to because for over 20 years we're not seeing that type of progress in our area we're not seeing that type of creative innovative type of activity that will bring us um into the things we'd like to see let me ask you, as we begin to wrap up, Dr. Rice, what questions do you get a lot from those who are opposed to this? Now, someone just tweeted on Twitter, they're formerly of the Neighbors Against Greenhaven, but I want you, and, and what has been the, the challenge that you all are facing in trying to get people on board with this new city of DeKalb, just at least for the 
residents to vote? I think the biggest challenge has been political because there is a, a set of people um, that are opposed to what we're trying to do. And you're always going to have opposition, so that's not a problem. I think that there has been a campaign of misinformation and disinformation, which mm -hmm. may be misleading to people. Like what? I think the, uh, that we are tied to corporate interests, that we're in this for ourselves, that um, the taxes are going to rise, uh, all those things. And there's no evidence to support any of those. Not only no evidence, it's just not true. Um, you know, all the funding we received has been from people, etc. But this is how the issue gets obfuscated. This is why instead of us having a discussion about why is it that we don't have a vote mm -hmm. that we get into the city. And the question I'd like to pose to people is, why is it that we don't have a vote? Is there a fear of something that would happen if we form a city? What is the fear behind us getting the opportunity to vote on forming a city when everyone else has, particularly everyone else who has met the criteria. Well, What's is it, the fear? Is it a fear or is it just you all just have to go through the process and it, if it gets approved, it gets approved. And if not, it doesn't. Is that really fair to call it a fear? Yeah, I think so because every other effort that has met the requirements has gotten the opportunity to vote. We're the only ones who haven't. Everyone else who has tried has done it within at least four years. We're the only ones who haven't. And we have another group that is um, on the verge of potentially getting a second opportunity to vote, and we still don't have our first. And we don't have a good answer as to why we shouldn't have the opportunity to vote. If we've met all the requirements, then it makes one ask, is there some kind of bias if there's no good reason? But shouldn't that go to, shouldn't those concerns then go to the state legislature? That's who we've been addressing from the very beginning. Well, then what are you hearing? That we're not hearing answers that um, help us understand. So, for example, one answer is that we want to make sure no harm is done to people. Well, you're looking at a large body of people who are unable to vote. I consider that a greater harm than anything that I've heard. Uh, I haven't heard of any harm. That a lawmaker told you that? Yeah. Who was a lawmaker? Pardon me? Who was a lawmaker that told you that? I don't know if I should say that or not. Because <laughs> you on the radio talking about you want a city, you might as well get it on out there. Well, the thing is, we're still seeking the same people. Okay. We're still having to speak to the same people. And if we're trying, if our goal is to try and get them to change their mind, then the likelihood of them changing their mind once you put them out there may not work. But I will say this. We're giving them the opportunity, but if we find that it doesn't work, ask me again. <laughs> For another person who told um, that that there's, you know, that it, this is a political situation. Clearly, it's a political situation. Ah. But the question is, if you meet all the requirements, you told us what you wanted us to do. If we supplied them, then there's got to be bias. If there's not a reason that you know we're being denied. Well. If you're a city and you feel that, or you're a group of residents, you feel that strong, sometimes you got to let your voice be heard. That's all I'm saying. I encourage everybody to always get their voice out there if they can, no matter, you know, as long as it's, you know, reasonable. Well, I want to thank you because you're helping us get our voice out here. I'm just asking questions. Ask on, ask on. <laughs> Dr. Catherine Rice, founder of Building Quality Communities and the coordinator of the City of DeKalb Executive Committee. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. We're going to ask, continue to ask questions for both sides. Can I add one other thing? We're having a town hall meeting on Thursday at 8 p.m. And one thing we didn't bring up here today was our unprecedented level of citizen engagement, uh, our CAPUs, which is built on NPUs. Sure. So you'll get a chance to hear more about that on Thursday. All right. Thanks. Thank you Appreciate so much. It. Take care now. Take care. Department, a branch of the federal government recognizes this man, Chris Kringle, to be the one and only Santa Claus.
Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. I know him. Alvin. Thank you, Santa. This is for you. You like the Oak Ridge Boys, right? Yeah. You're welcome. Santa doesn't care about city hood. He just wants to know if y'all have cookies and a chimney. Closer Look continues now. This is 90.1 WABE, Atlanta's choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. You know, typically around this time, we look so we look forward to speaking with the mini Santas, Mrs. Claus, and their elves. And we know that due to the pandemic, the December scheduling of old St. Nick has greatly been impacted. And one of our regular jolly fellows is Santa D, also known as the real black Santa. Don't y'all send me an email because it won't get answered. And last year, he had to shift his traditional in-person visits to virtual visits due to the pandemic. But it did allow him to reach families around the globe. Well, Santa D is back on the program today with how he's navigating this holiday season and some other questions. Welcome, Santa D. Good to see you virtually. Good to see you, Ms. Rose. It's been a while and I'm loving it. You look great. Thank you. Same to you. <laughs> Let me ask you this, because pre-pandemic, just how busy would you normally be heading into December? Your December would just be packed, right? Uh, Pre-pandemic, I would be losing my mind right now, uh, actually setting my visits, plus setting the other guys that work for me their visits. I'd be working my tail off right about now. Before we also talk a bit more about you personally, just I want to get your thoughts on how do you sum up all of this, this moment that we're we're still in from last year? What's your reflection about all this? Well, I tell you what, this pandemic has gotten everyone scared. I've got... Uh, two of the guys that used to work for me, they've already retired because of it. Uh, they don't want to come back out to do Santa, uh, so they've retired. Uh, mm-hmm. And so many other Santas, because, you know, we're we're rather large individuals, uh, not always the healthiest, because we eat so many cookies. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so we, we, we've got uh, ongoing issues, you know, so we've we've. Uh, so many of the, of the other guys have uh, either retired or scaled back on what they're doing because this pandemic is really, really taking a toll on us. Yeah. Uh, so, so some Santas, know, it, it, so some Santas have actually retired because of the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Two, two of the guys that work for me uh, on a regular basis, uh, they retired the last last season. Uh, right after once once the pandemic really hit. Uh, their family told them that, listen, you're not at the, at the healthiest stage of your life, so we want you to stay back till this thing is all gone. Mm-hmm. And the hardest thing is to tell a little one you can't go up and give Santa a hug or, or sit on Santa's lap. I want to talk to you, Santa D, for a moment because you've had some you've had some challenges of your own health wise, correct? Yeah. Well, you know, again, getting getting older, uh, not old, but getting older, uh, things happen i've been in georgia now for about 20 25 years and the georgia atmosphere or weather has changed how my body reacts mm-hmm. um i've been going dealing with an uh persistent cough because of the uh i guess pollen dirt and things that happen mm-hmm. uh allergies and uh i for the last eight maybe nine months and we're still trying to figure out what it is and you- uh, my doctor Mm. It's respiratory, though, is what you're saying? Uh, they think it's, it's, it's sinus, mm-hmm. uh, sinus issues. So they, they're, they're, I'm going to a pulmonologist. I'm going to my regular uh, PCP uh, and uh, ENTs. I'm doing everything. And no one has, hasn't figured out just quite yet what's going on. Santa, and you can only share what you want to. Uh, how often have you been tested for COVID? Uh, I get tested all the time. Actually, I was tested twice in the last two days, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and and both times negative. I've I've I've, I've been tested. Uh, Santa has his uh, complete vaccination. Uh, I haven't taken the booster because I, I I'm not sure if I need it as of yet. Uh, but uh, I'm COVID free. Uh, but it's what's strange is that right after I got my second dose of uh of my vaccine 
I, I tested and I tested positive. Hmm. Now, the strangest thing is that that cough that was so persistent with me, it disappeared during the time that I was I was uh, locked away. Hmm. And as soon as I tested uh, uh, negative, the cough came back. Hmm. <laughs> Don't uh, the, my doctors are still trying to figure it out. You mentioned your your colleagues, your fellow Santas who have retired, and I know your family and their concern. I know you concerned about yourself as well. But did you were there conversations that were like, maybe sanity, just even with the virtual stuff, just maybe just if you can, um, maybe take another, maybe take this holiday season off. Did were those conversations happening in your household? Uh, I think the the they were. And the biggest reason uh, for me uh, and my my reason for trying to take another season is that I don't know exactly what it is. And I'd, I'd, I'd feel so hurt so bad if something that I had that I passed it on to some a, a child mm-hmm. or, or that child's family. Uh, and with, <laughs> excuse me, with the the virtual we did i did a lot of virtual this year and i held off on doing virtual this this season because again being excuse me being on on talking so much the cough tends to come mm-hmm. in and when 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 i have a coughing uh fit yeah. never know how long it'll last and how dramatic it'll be how have you been dealing with this emotionally and mentally santa listen santa's a guy that we we love the hearty laugh talking you know whether it's in person or virtual and you having to to limit that and how are you handling all of this i've been and i'll say this i've been in the red suit and in the chair uh for 20 years Mm -hmm. 20 plus years and for me not to be out there doing what i love uh what i believe that the lord has put me here to do uh it's it's a little heart-wrenching uh i have clients that are calling on a regular basis daily and having to respond with uh sorry but santa is not doing any in-person visits this season but look forward to seeing you next season Hmm. that is i mean that hurts that really hurts when you think about the 20 years, the decades that you've been doing this, and then obviously this pandemic is new for everybody. Um, are you re- are you going to then maybe reevaluate if you permanently have to shift to the virtual or personal virtuals? It's not the same. Uh, no, it's not the same as being in person. But your health comes first. I I I, I pray, uh, and I know my father uh, up above knows what he's doing. I pray that we don't have to do virtual as as the new norm. I hope that we as Santas across the globe, and a, and a lot of guys have gone back to doing in-person visits. And I hope that going forward, because again, with all the new strains that are coming out, all the new variants, that we somehow find the, the remedy to make sure that we can go back to being in person. Santa D, let me ask you this: Are you do you have some some Santa D's in training? Are you passing on the knowledge? And maybe you want to now become the Santa CEO, and and you're training other folks. You know, diversity is a big thing this year. I know Disney made headlines. There's their push for more diversity among Santas, and I think they're having Black Santas at their theme parks for a Christmas celebration. And is that something that you think you'd want to get into? You know, the the Santa you know, D is, Academy. <laughs> that is the strangest thing. Uh, my eldest son, who has gotten his, he's he's worn a beard for the last maybe five years, maybe six years. Uh, he just called me today. He said, uh, "Pop, do you have an extra suit? I think next year I want to start doing this." <laughs> That's great. He's looking in the mirror and he's seeing his his beard turning gray, uh, and he's like, "I think I want to do this next year, Pop." Uh, and plus, there are a lot of I there are a lot. Of, I did an event for a virtual event for Old Navy because mm-hmm. uh, Old Navy ha- has a boot camp. And uh, I did a virtual event for them uh, helping to develop their boot camp training. And I've had other Santas respond through that boot camp. Uh, I have a, a, a Spanish Santa, his name is Santa Maverick out of D.C. Mm-hmm. Uh, that 
hopefully I'll be mentoring him and trying to get him there. So I think that'll be a great thing. I think what has happened, especially with all the unrest with uh, racial tension that we've had in the country, mm-hmm. it's bringing a lot more uh, Santas out to the forefront. And I, I'm not just talking uh African-American or black Santa. We're talking Santa's of all colors and race, which is is good. So I'm curious, in the Santa boot camp, and I know you can't give away too much, but what are you driving home to the Santas? Because if the Santa, potential Santa, raises his hand and says, you know, I want to be Santa, but I don't really dig kids. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly you're in the wrong class. He's actually doing the wrong job. He's (laughs) He's got to love kids, and he's got to have a love for people altogether. Uh, one of the biggest things that we 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 showed in the in the boot camp is uh, through through diversity, showing that you have love for everyone and being able to uh, talk to kids of all race, kids that sometimes feel that they're not sure if they're uh, what is the the the, ter- the correct terminology if they're boy or girls. You know, you've got to because everyone has that. You never know agenda. Uh, gender-wise. You want you, you want who? Santa's to be respectful of, of, exactly. of everyone and how folks identify. And that is obviously something new, maybe that the Santa's we grew up with didn't have to. But look, you want everyone to feel like they can be themselves around Santa and all of that. So you're, 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 y'all are talking about those things in your boot camp. Almost definitely. I mean, and the, 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 the Old Navy boot camp uh, was on the 19th, and folks can join up on that anytime just by going to Old Navy site and looking for it. But that's one of the things that we're doing. We're showing diversity. Uh, you know, back in, in, in the days past, were well, you a good little boy this year? This year was, were well, you good this year? Uh, good. You never know what the family's uh, status is. Absolutely. We used to say, well, have you, do you, did you always listen to mommy and daddy? Are you listening to your parents? So we got to change up what we do to make sure that we're covering all bases now and we're being uh, diverse. Now, what is the what is the one mistake that most new Santas make in that that the first year, the first two seasons that it never fails? The, the new Santa or the new Mrs. <laughs> Claus are all excited, but then they always, you know, they're they're doing a little bit too much. What, what is that? Those couple of mistakes that they tend to make. I'm going to give you the biggest one, Miss Rose. Miss Rose, you've been a good girl this year. What would you like Santa to bring you for Christmas? A fire truck. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to make sure you get that fire truck, Miss Rose. Now, I can't give you that promise because yeah. I don't know what mommy and daddy's plans sure. are for you for this year. And that is one of the biggest things that Santas are doing. The new Santas, they make promises that they can't keep. And we need to make sure that it's well, we'll see what we can do this year. Well, I was going to say a Tesla, but I figured that y'all hadn't quite worked that out with Elon and the fe- folks. So, you know, I was, and, I, you know, and he, he he's a lovely guy, but, you know, we still he's still got to make sure he's making his money on the end. Too. <laughs> Dear Santa, please bring me a Tesla. That is great advice. And then what questions do you often get most from the Santas in training? Uh, grooming, the beard grooming. Uh for some odd reason, everyone thinks I have a really good beard. Uh, it looks nice. And I, I thank you very much. And I try to, to tell them that I keep it all year round. I, I don't cut it down. I trim it. I keep it neat. Uh, but it's always about the products that you use and how you take care of it, making sure that you're doing the right thing to make sure the beard looks good and always being in character every day of the year if you're looking like Santa every day. Of the year. So you keep it soft, moisturized, or you lose using a little tea tree oil and, and shea butter? What, what, what's your product? Tell me your, your product regimen here. What, what you got going on? Well, I tell you what, Ms. Rose, I make my own uh, my own products. Really? Uh, I Yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> I believe that, uh, one, I don't ever use soap on my beard or shampoo. Ah. Really? I no, I use a and I, I don't know if I can plug these guys. Uh, Go ahead, Doctor Bronner's. Oh yeah, we we love the Bronner fellas. Yeah, we we love the Bronner family. The, yeah, I, I use that their 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 uh, uh, their soap uh, once a week, maybe twice, and I just other than that, I co-wash it every day. It's like and, having and, locks. And most ladies, most ladies know what co-wash means. Yes. I just put conditioner in and rinse it out afterwards, and I deep condition it. Uh, one of the things that I'm able to do that most guys aren't, I braid this thing. Well, Santa giving grooming tips. I love it. 
<laughs> so they can come on. I give. I'll tell them how to make the the beard oils. I, and that's the other thing. You can't be scared of putting oils in the beard. You put the beard oils and you put the the beard balm so that there. And there are companies out there that make great products. Oh, that's and great. they just have to find one that works for them. As we wrap up, Santa D, what is your message to all the families this holiday season? Love, love on everyone. And I always say that it's that time of year that even the meanest, nastiest person you know in the office, they're, little, they're just a little nicer during this time of year. Just keep loving on everyone. And maybe we won't have all the issues that we're having in the country, in the world, if we show a little more love to each other. Santa D, thank you so much for taking the time as always. So good to see you, even though it's virtually. Happy holidays to you. Take care of yourself. Merry Happy holidays and God bless. <laughs> I was waiting on that. And that's it for this edition of Closer Look. Sam Whitehead is our senior producer. Janine Etter, LaShawn Hudson, and Daniel Razel are our producers as well. Our engineer is Kevin Rinker. He doesn't have a sleigh, but he rides a bike. A reminder to let us know your thoughts on today's program or any other. Send me an email, rose at wabe.org. And if you missed any of today's program, it's online at wabe.org slash Closer Look. And of course, Closer Look weeknights at 7 p.m. as well as in our podcast. Subscribe to wherever you like. Stay tuned to 90.1 WABE, Atlanta's choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. The Gold Dome Scramble podcast is now plugged in, a WABE politics podcast. New name, same on-the-ground reporting from us, WABE politics reporters Sam Greenglass and Raul Bally. We'll cover local, state, and national politics as we talk to politicians and voters to break down each week's biggest headlines. New episodes drop on Fridays. Listen and subscribe at WABE.org or your favorite podcast platform. WABE.